You're listening to the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide Podcast. Hey, if your journey down the proverbial rabbit hole has cost you friends and family, or maybe it's just convinced your loved ones that you're a little bit crazy, this podcast is for you. Nothing's off limits. We're going to cover it all from a biblical worldview. There's going to be humor, insight, and validation for your journey. So join us as we learn to walk through this crazy world as a Christian truther, as we shed every ounce of willful ignorance so we can fulfill our destiny and leave a legacy. Well, this is John again. Welcome. I'm me and you're you. We have to admit, if you're listening, you are you. So my, my logic is flawless. Anyway, this is the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide podcast. Of course, we have a book too called The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide, which you can find on Amazon and audio paperback an ebook and it's probably on about 40 different platforms now so it's out there floating around waiting for you to snatch it up what are you waiting for it's gonna help you anyway the title of my talk today is help I have more than 10 rabbit holes in my portfolio <laughs> I'm really looking forward to getting this uh, this message out to you I think you're gonna really really be uh, have your have your horizons broadened. I'm going to broaden your horizons today. Thank you. So we do cover a variety of topics from you know, all of the world of the conspiracies that you can ever imagine. We're down about just about every rabbit hole that there is that we know of. Um, and we're going to cover this, though, from the perspective of a biblical worldview, because we're Christian truthers. We have a YouTube channel, Wake Up or Else. The website is wakeuporelse.com. And so it's, it's helpful to define that. A Christian truther. That's somebody that's following the Lord. You have a biblical worldview, but you also believe the moon landing is fake, 9-11 is fake, the earth is flat, the Mandela effect is real, there's underground bases, there's reptilians running things, there's you know, 13 families, all that kind of good stuff. You know, you've bitten down on some or some most of that. And then, of course, that's created a hellstorm for you. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast and the book is to give you insight for your journey, to validate your perceptions and encourage you so you can fulfill your destiny. Would that be good? I think it was Paul that said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So what are you going to do? That's what Tony Soprano said. Hey, Tone, I'm sorry for your loss. You know what I'm saying? And then Tony was like, hey, what are you going to do? All right, so you find out. Uh, let's pick one. I think Flat Earth is probably the worst one for most people. You can just get triggered on that one. So you find, But you find out the Earth is flat. Because if it's round, why is it flat? Everywhere you look, it's flat. You can go measure it yourself. Find anywhere you can see 50 miles 
where there's a hotel on the other end and to get your binoculars, you'll see all the way to the bottom of the hotel. There should be 1400 15 1600 feet of curvature 50 miles 1600 feet. So that if the hotel is a 1000 feet, then why can you see the bottom of the hotel with your binoculars. So you know, you find that out. And you can do that everywhere. Then you go, you find 20 other proofs or the equally as compelling and you go, Oh, my gosh, the earth is flat. So then you start opening your mouth. Oh, baby cakes, Nelson, you better brace for impact. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to look at uh, how the church has responded to conspiracies. The poor pastors, they've gotten a failing grade. They're the most normie of just about anybody. They're so dug in. They're so entrenched. Uh, you know, I mean, I went to the president's Bible school once and I started talking about the Illuminati and the deep state and he just freaked out. Like, Normie, normie on steroids. This guy was like a 33rd degree normie. And I'm telling you, with all due respect, I love the guy. He's dumber than a bag of hammers when it comes to what's really going on in the world. And, and by design, they want to be that way. They've compartmentalized their worldview to their own detriment. And the proof of that is so many, so varied. One is how most churches lined up right behind Dr. Fauci and cordoned off their pews. So every other pew, there was spacing, everybody's masked up, uh, they canceled services, and then the vax came out and they all walked right into that trap like boobs. I'm sorry, but that's proof in the pudding right there. And so that's why we do the Sons of Issachar update. And this one's going to be a little different. Uh, the first headline I'm going to bring to your attention is that the Chinese Communist Party's military has been studying what they call cognitive domain operations to sow a mentality of defeat among the American people. Chinese are trying to bum you out. Now, I want all of you to brace yourselves for what I'm about to say. I want you to prepare yourself emotionally, and mentally, if you're driving, you may need to pull over for what is about to come out of my mouth. Because it may signal the end of our relationship. This headline that I just shared with you, I found on Infowars, which is Alex Jones's site. My willingness to admit that publicly immediately brings me into suspicion with most truthers. The fact that I would even mention his name triggers 80% of truthers into immediately categorizing me as a shill. Because after all, only a shill would propagate anything from another shill. At least that's the prevailing opinion. But I just released a two and a half hour talk called The Pervasive Fallacy That Everyone's a Shill, addressing what I believe is probably a psyop on the truther community, just like this one that the Chinese are purported to be releasing on you. A, a psyop to get you to give up has been released upon you by the Chinese. The title of this article that I found on the shill site of Alex Jones is exactly what everyone is a shill psyop has done to the truther community to throw up your hands and say, what's the use? But what I was able to do is take the Alex shill Jones headline and put it into the shill search engine of Google 
And I found that Alex Shill Jones is actually quoting a report by the Defense Department. Well, now I have to take the Shill government's word that China is actually trying to mind control us into quitting. So my first question is, how far are you going to take the everyone is a shill narrative? The first thing to consider is if you are conscious of the sources you're listening to. In other words, it's one thing to be a normie, let's say, to be listening to CNN without ever questioning what they might be telling you. You have no concept that they would be lying to you. To you, they're journalists. That person is totally unconscious. But it's totally another to know that they are lying to you and listen to them anyway. And then try to figure out what's really going on by listening to them lie and then reverse engineer what they're saying. Now, I'm going to get to why that would be something you would want to do. So just bear with me. Another observation is that if I am knowingly listening to Alex Jones and understanding that he's mixing truth with lies, that does not make me a shill, necessarily. In some people's mind, it just makes me stupid and naive, and therefore I can't be trusted. And there are many that are thinking of me that way right now. But I think if I'm talking the way I am and telling you that I acknowledge that Jones is disseminating misinfo, but I still benefit from him, then I'm different than the normie that still trusts CNN, for instance. Now, I don't watch CNN because they don't provide any truth mixed with lies. It's all lies. But I can get great intel from Jones and other sites like his. So I'm going to just use this specific example to show you what I believe is a flaw in many people's reasoning. And I hope it will help some. Hey, friends, I just wanted to break into this message here for one second and just share with you that being a content creator is a very challenging undertaking. Typically, folks either work full time and do this on the side, so they're burning the candle at both ends, or you jump in with both feet like we have, and you trust listeners to help support you if they can. That's us. We're on a mission. So please consider partnering with us by using the donate button below. Every small amount is appreciated, even five bucks. You can also visit our store, which is Bargaintopia. It's B-A-R-G-I-N-topia.com. And we got a variety of lab-tested, super clean supplements with free shipping. We're going to be adding custom apparel for conspiracy theorists kooks and then other extremely unique and useful things. So check us out over there. Be sure to join us for our live streams over at Wake Up or Else on YouTube. And you can find us at wakeuporelse.com. Thanks for keeping us going. Back to our message. So I go to Alex Jones' site to look at headlines, and I find this headline. I put this headline into Google, which also can't be trusted, and it takes me to an official report by the U.S. Department of Defense called Military and Security Developments Involving the Public People's Republic of China. This is the source of the information that Alex Jones used to publish his article. He's quoting the report by the DOD. So now I can leave Alex Jones and go directly to the source. All he did is alert me to this official report. Now, I used Google to find it, so that's suspect, right? So then I'll use a few other search engines as well. But really, I'll just go to the government website 
and find the report, which is what I did. So if you take a step back, Alex Jones provided me with a valuable service. I wouldn't have found, I wouldn't have known about that report unless he told me about it or alerted me and there it was. So did he help me? Yes. He alerted me to the fact that the report existed. Now, am I a shill if I use a shill like that? No. No, maybe all of the shill talk is from shills. So the shills are calling the non-shills shills. Anyway, the shill, Alex Jones, alerted me to the article, and I used the shill search engine, Google, to find the source, which turns out to be a fake de facto government, which is captured by Luciferian blood-drinking psychomobsters that want me dead. And then they're publishing a report about the Chinese people who apparently want to mind control me. So what conclusions do we draw from this little exercise? Okay, for some people, the response is, well, I just don't pay any attention anymore to any of it. You know, like that's some sort of virtue just to pull the covers over your head. Um, you know, if you want to do that, I don't blame you. It's totally fine. But this is called the Sons of Issachar update, and they knew what was happening. So I'm not like you in that sense. So let's just get that straight between us. Okay, if you've checked out because it's too much to sort this stuff out, that's fine for you. But I would just caution you to so quickly cast aspersions on others that are trying to figure things out. My next point is if Alex Jones can't be trusted and shouldn't be used as a source, and Google algorithms are going to trick me, so I shouldn't use that as a source, and then I find the government report is real or at least exists, but you can't trust the government to tell you the truth, so I shouldn't trust their report, what conclusion am I supposed to draw? Am I to conclude, for instance, that China doesn't exist? I don't think you could convince many people of that. Or should I conclude because Alex is a shill and Google's a shill and the government's a shill that the report doesn't exist? I don't think you could convince people of that either. For instance, if the devil tells you the sky is blue, do you conclude that the sky isn't blue simply because the devil told you? I know that many people, if you tell them an article came from Alex Jones, they'll immediately say they don't, they don't believe it without looking into his source to see if what he's saying is true, just like a normie does. Or in the case that China is not in fact running a PSYOP to make you feel defeated, the only way that I can prove that the report does exist is if I can find other sources in officialdom in the data sphere that seem to corroborate the report that's sitting on the government website. That's the best that any of us can do. Basically, at a certain point, you have to decide to trust the multiple sources providing you with consensus that something really is happening. Now, why it's happening is a totally another discussion. I'm just talking about whether it's CGI, whether it doesn't exist at all. That conclusion seems to be sort of running rampant. And there's there's just a limit to how far I believe you could take that, um, that narrative. So there's certain starting points I think that we can all draw strength from. The first is that there are certain knowable realities that are emanating out from your living room. 
Okay, the first is that you exist. Okay, you're not a blip in a simulation. You're not Super Mario and don't know it. You're a child of God, created in the image of God. You have a soul, you have a spirit. You exist, okay? And then if you walk out your door, there's a parking lot or there's a driveway and there's your car, okay? Your car exists. Whatever you want to characterize the realm, how you decode the realm, okay? I'm just talking about what's real. You can touch it. It's not CGI fake, right? I think you would agree that when you get in your car and you turn the key and it goes vroom, vroom, that's real. And then you can drive down the street to the Mexican restaurant that you love and you could get the street tacos with the cilantro and that's real. It's not like an illusion. You can put that taco in your cake hole, baby, and you know it's real, okay? So using that logic, if I was able to go over to China and then go wherever I wanted and know, you know, get all my questions answered, what conclusion would I draw if I found out that there really was a program that China's launching to control my mind to make me feel defeated? Well, by working backwards, that would mean that the Department of Defense study was actually true. And then it tells me that Alex Jones's article reporting on the US Department of Defense article was true. So to a large degree, that's as far as I'm just trying to go with this. What I'm saying is at a certain point, some of what you are being shown is not fake. It's really happening by real people. And then those people have varying degrees of corruption and agendas. And then you have to sort it out at the higher levels. Now, my next observation is that there are many people that are then going to suggest that I'm naive if I continue to use someone like Alex Jones as a source for news because he's a shill and he'll lead me astray. Well, you know, the, the idea is he'll give me some truth, but then he'll give me some lies and he'll draw me in. So my response to that is how far are you willing to take that reasoning? And we'll apply that reasoning to every other news source that you could possibly go to. So at a certain point, if I follow your reasoning, then the only person that I'd be able to listen to is someone that's a born-again, spirit-filled believer that believes the earth is flat and the Bible is supernaturally changing to fulfill end times prophecy and about 16 other conspiracies. This journalist that I find that meets all these criteria would need to have a very large staff of resources as well to do journalism and give me headlines every day. Well, that doesn't exist to a large degree. So then I, if I follow your reasoning, I would have to go find other journalists other than Alex that may or may not be a shill that do not share all of my specific long list of beliefs anyway. And I would end up having to still compromise your philosophy of being a purist and an absolutist and a connoisseur of truth and only listen to people that line up with all of my beliefs and everybody else is a shill. I find this mindset to be more akin to a disempowering cynicism than some sort of wise, sagely discernment. And I think in many cases, it seems to be based more in arrogance and a superficial analysis of what's really happening than the truth. I don't listen to Alex Jones. I scan his headlines. I listen to some of the other people on his channel. I listen to some of his guests. 
And if you think all of those people that parade through there are a shill, then I think you're deceived. I don't think they're CGI or they're all shills. All of those people may not be awake as you are, but that doesn't make them a shill. Being a liar, okay, and being deceived or in a journey towards being more enlightened like you are, are not the same thing. And if you proclaim to be a truther, then you need to have more integrity and not go around bearing false witness against people because it makes you feel significant like you're in the know because then you're no better than the people you are branding as liars. So I listened to about six or seven other citizen journalists as well, and I just don't, I don't take their word for it either. I go and look up what they're saying. And that's really all you can do, as far as I can tell. That's what we're sort of doing. So you got the normie, they only believe what CNN tells them, and they're completely unconscious about what CNN is telling them, or Yahoo News, or whatever news outlets they're getting their stuff from. I, on the other hand, and you, are not unconscious about anyone that we're listening to. Our guard is up, our kung fu is on, and so the normie only believes what comes from officialdom, and now it seems like the truther will only accept news as being valid if it comes from their personally selected and approved citizen journalist source that completely lines up with all their belief systems. Well, forgive me, but I don't have that luxury. I have to triangulate across a variety of different people and then compare what all of them are saying, do my own research, into the sources and then decide whether I accept it or not. So here I'm covering headlines in this section. So, you know, I don't have a multi-million dollar operation where I can hire journalists. So I have to go to other organizations that then give me their headlines and then we interpret them. So a lot of truthers I see will turn somebody else off because they have one different belief in the, in the conspiracy theorist world than they do. That's such a normie response, um, knee-jerk, vitriolic response. I see it a lot. And I'm always looking for better sources. But I also see that it, it seems like every person or organization that does good on any scale will be attacked by the known bad guys. And one thing you'd have to agree with is you know, Alex has been attacked more than anybody. And so then you say, well, all of that's fake and his trial was fake and all the attacks are fake. Okay. So what happens if you set up a channel and you're talking about something truthful and you get censored, which will happen every time? Does that mean you're a shill? See, how far do you take that argument? I'm not saying he's not a shill. I'm just saying that we all have to look take a step back, press the pause button on how we're evaluating the information that we're trying to get. There seems to be a shark feeding frenzy in the truther community that everything's fake and I don't believe it's the case. It's like people have completely abdicated their ability to frame reality with this blanket hypothesis where they're basically checking out and, and engaging in critical thinking. It just seems like it's a lot easier to label everybody as a shill and everything's fake than to try to understand what's really going on. 
and not be so weak and vulnerable that you can't listen to somebody that may be a shill and not and still not learn from them without being deceived. I mean, I'll check in with CNN sometime just to see what their cockamamie stuff is talking about. It doesn't mean I'm going to be drawn into that and become a Democrat. Come on. So I purposely made myself vulnerable by invoking the name Alex Jones on this particular podcast as the sometimes source of some of the headlines that I might cover because I think it needed to be said. But I can tell you for sure, if I just covered the headlines without disclosing that maybe I got some of them from InfoWars, then most listeners would have just accepted the headlines as true and would have not even questioned whether they were accurate or not. So think about the perception issues that you have when you're trying to discern if a certain news journalist or you know, um, private journalist is, is, uh, you know, doesn't have some hidden agenda. Because we are making a difference. We are impacting folks that are not awake. And like, for instance, it appears as Canada is halting euthanasia for the mentally ill, citing the lack of doctors willing to participate. This is another example where we're seeing those that are not awake waking up, which tells us we can still make a difference. Praise God. We can push back the darkness. They can be routed. They can be delayed. I mean, ultimately, the prophecies of the revelations will be fulfilled, but we have our part. And of course, as we're marching on, it's discouraging when you see things like, you know, GovCo, the criminals in the District of Columbia just diverted $340 million in federal COVID funds to migrants. They give each one a thousand bucks. It's like the state of California is going to provide health insurance for all the illegal immigrants in their state. They're just going to break the bank. Now, I don't know how you plan to respond to tyranny and social chaos, but it seems to be right around the corner. And it might be a good idea to just rehearse some different scenarios in your mind of how you're going to respond. You could take what I call the Gandhi approach. It would certainly be a biblical one where you vow never to use violence or force in any situation. And you'll basically just trust God with your body and your soul 100%. However, I have found that this is not most people's mindset. I think most people are considering getting a concealed permit if they don't have one already and beginning to carry some sort of equalizer. But at that point, you have to then rehearse your rules of engagement and what you're going to do in different scenarios. One would be like if you're in a public setting, a department store or a big hardware store, and you have suddenly you find yourself in a live shooter scenario. In that situation, first of all, you have no legal obligation to be a hero. You cannot be held responsible if you book out of there. The only legal permission you have in the U.S., at least, for discharging your firearm in a public setting, if you are licensed to carry it, is if you can convince a jury that you believed at that moment you were in imminent mortal danger. Now, that intention does extend to your immediate family. So if your immediate family was with you, that would give you a little bit more latitude about what you might have done. But if you're alone and you had a way of escape, that would be your best chance of avoiding going to prison. 
However, if you felt compelled to try to save people, you know, you're standing there in this giant big box store and this guy's just shooting kids, you know, you may feel that you can't bring yourself to run, uh, you know, but you feel compelled to put yourself in harm's way. You're going to have to explain how you felt you couldn't just escape out the door first. Instead, you the cameras show you going towards the shooter. Uh, you know, that's going to be what you're going to have to convince them of. Because if you ran out, you wouldn't have been in imminent mortal danger. That's the basic um, premise for whether a shoot is legal or not. So these are just thoughts that you roll around in your mind, right? Of course, if you have the scenario where it's 2 a.m. and you hear a voice, a noise upstairs, and there's a man poised over your child with a knife and you have a 9mm, most people that I've asked, would you pull the trigger, said they wouldn't hesitate to balance the power in that situation. However, what are you going to do if someone, let's say, a couple of 20-somethings with clipboards and a couple of SWAT team guys that are swatted up come to your front door and they're issuing forced medical vaccinations. Things get a little bit more complicated then. So you might want to rehearse that through in your mind and decide how you're going to handle that before it happens because those types of events may be coming around the corner. And you'll have to try to think through these scenarios and decide what you're going to do. Um, but for sure, it doesn't seem like anybody's coming to save us when you have 75% of House Democrats voting against voting against deporting criminal illegal immigrants who then commit Social Security fraud. No problem. That's okay. You could stay. 75% voted that. It's perfectly understandable, right? So the only hope that any of us have for affecting change is to withdraw your consent nonviolently and know that resistance to tyranny is obedience to God, to free people's minds, to be at peace with all men in as much as possible, and then walk with the king and be a blessing. The whole duty of man is to enjoy God. So I hope this helps for some to clarify the confusion that I know many are struggling with because I talk with you. I speak with many of you as feel your heads are spinning from all different sources of information and who's lying and who's a shill, who's controlled opposition, who can I trust, what's true, what isn't true. And just about a week ago, I received a word from the Lord, which I'll be sharing. Um, God, God supernaturally spoke to me. And then I said, okay, God, you want me to do this? Then what do you want me to say to your people? And I heard the Lord say, tell my people not to trust in princes. So part of that is being able to hear from God. That's how you're going to know what's going on. You're going to need to be able to hear from God, dear soul, to know what is true. And you'll be able to hear from God in direct proportion to how much you want to hear from God. You're going to need to embrace the fact that every time you learn about another rabbit hole, it takes you farther and farther away from those who do not want to know about rabbit holes as well. So this journey that you're on is marked by the ability to hear from God and the willingness to have another thing that you've held all your life be decimated. It's a willingness to not hold on to things like somebody that's five who doesn't want to stop sucking their thumb. 
as you're confronted with yet another gigantic conspiracy that turns out to be a lie. All right. So with that, I'm going to give you the talk. It's called help. I have more than 10 rabbit holes in my portfolio. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about and just explore together tonight is, is this idea of um, what happens to us when we go down yet another rabbit hole? What happens to us internally, but also how does it affect our ability to kind of go get along with people that are on this other path uh, known as the unconvinced? Um, and maybe I just feel like we should pray first. <laughs> Help me, God. Okay, so let's just pause for a minute and pray. Father, I just want to start by invoking your name and asking you for your help tonight and asking you for your presence to come as we just are here on a Saturday night, Lord, fellowshipping with the saints, the people who have named the name of the Lord and invited the Holy Spirit into their hearts and minds. And we just thank you for a fresh touch. We thank you for the move of the Spirit as we're sharing tonight that people will be healed in their bodies, that you'd bring deliverance, Lord, to the captives, for those who suffer with grinding depression or fear, panic attacks. We just take authority over those things, command them to go in Jesus' name. Because you said you didn't give us the spirit of fear, Lord, but a power, love, and a sound mind. We thank you for that promise. We thank you for leading us and guiding us into all truth because we need a guide in this hour. We need your eye to be upon us. We need to hear your voice saying, here's the way, walk ye in it. So we invoke Hassad. We invoke the covenant promises of Almighty God to be our guide and our teacher. You said in your word that we have no need that anyone teach us. For one is your teacher, and that is the Holy Spirit, and he is within you. Hallelujah. So we thank you for the fire of God falling on each one of us right now. The fire of God is the cure for all of our problems. So we invoke those promises that if we would draw near to you, that you would draw near to us. And we thank you. And we give you praise and all of the glory. Lord Jesus goes to you. Amen. All right. Well, I will tell you what. I've been doing the podcast tour and I got 17 that we scheduled this month so far. We did about 13 last month. And it is so cool to be, you know, interacting with these people that are just so incredibly learned and influential. And, um, you know, but I'm learning, I'm learning a lot about truthers as I'm interacting with the truther community at this level. And so really all I've done for the last seven years is just kind of share the things that I'm going through and then any observations that I've had. Um, and so I've been noticing these kind of, uh, what do you call it? Um, patterns with the different podcast uh, people. So what we're going to explore is the idea, I started to notice that there seems to be a direct correlation between the number of rabbit holes that you've gotten yourself into, and then your ability and your willingness to coexist with the unconvinced loved ones in your life. 
uh, just bear with me as I unpack this. I think you'll understand. Basically, the more rabbit holes you're in, the less you can cope and coexist with the unconvinced. Because the more rabbit holes you're in, the more urgency there is. Uh, best way to understand it, it's like, you know, agreeing with people that are rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. That type of behavior should be absolutely intolerable to any thinking person. Right? You have situational awareness. <laughs> You're like, hello, we're going to die soon. Why are you focusing on the chairs? So the issue is the more rabbit holes you've gone down, the more you realize humanity is in imminent peril. Have we not been vindicated on that one? There's no time for bowling. Got to save the world. Got to enlist. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about people on your outer edges that are sort of dispensable to your mission. This is your lifelong friends who will drop you like a bad habit, by the way. I mean, how many times have I been told that? Yeah, my best friend told me he doesn't want to talk to me anymore or my children don't talk to me anymore. This is common. So what I'm trying to do tonight and share with you is some strategies to, to bridge those gaps and restore the, what's that scripture? Restore the gap. In fact, I have a script for you guys. It's on the support site. I'll show it to you at the end. You'll have to stay to the end to get the script. <laughs> Woo! Jesus! I feel the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit in this moment, in this hour, if we're going to make it. I mean, just help us, Jesus. These are, we're talking about your children, okay? Your, your relatives, uh, your spouses. These are the inner circle people. And the more rabbit holes you're down, the harder it is to run with them. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm getting all this from, you know, I talk to a lot of people throughout the week. So, you know, I'm just turning this over in my mind, like, what is the deal, God? Like, what? how, how are we supposed to do this? Uh, because the more you find out about the realm, the more strident you become with people who love the world, you know, whose brains are shut off, and who tell you right to your face, I don't know, and I don't want to know. I don't have to take a poll on that one. I know I've been told that, and I know most of you have been told that. Think about, that is so unthinkable for any thinking person, but especially a believer, where they admit that they're being willfully ignorant. Like the truth is optional? There's a scripture, and it used to say, prior to the Mandela effect, God requires truth in the inward parts. It's like Psalms 51, I think. Now it says God desires truth. I, I have a memory. I, I asked a, a bunch of people. So that's consensus, and I found residual. residual. So I, I do believe it is a Mandela effect. It used to say God requires truth in the inward parts. Uh, of course, the 
folks that are important to you in your life also use intimidation against you to what I call self-censor. So they, they sense that you're coming at them with some really compelling information and they don't want to give you the chance to open up your little three ring binder. And so they go on the offensive and they use manipulation, intimidation, snarky, you know, cynicism to shut you down. And then so the, and so the more down the rabbit holes you are, the more tendency they are going to do to use that. Because, you know, what you're showing them is obviously correct. I mean, come on. It's so obvious. It's ridiculous. So they don't want to get that far down that path. They have to stop you at the door, right? But these are the unconvinced. They're the willfully ignorant. They're the people who want you to go back to being normal. One of my kids said, Dad, I wish you were normal. So these are the normies. That's why we call them that it's sort of derogatory and i'm sorry if that offends people but i thought about this it's just easier to say than the unconvinced the unconvinced is four syllables normie two syllables i'll try not to use it but so you know we're we're talking about how can we possibly stay in these people's lives because that's what we want but they want you to be somebody that you are not they want you to be normal. They want you to be a compliant, you know, obey the rules, obey the talking points, the decorum that is put forward by what they don't know to be Luciferian psycho mobsters. You know, the ones that want you dead and uh, uh, the ones that are slow killing you. They don't know that, though. They think you're nuts. They want you to be like them. And if you refuse, they are going to bring a hellstorm down on you. The normie's motto is resistance is futile. Now, in the book, I break it up into two parts. My book, um, The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide, one section is that like the first half is inside the mind of the unconvinced but the second half is inside the mind of the truther and that's what we're going to try to look at together is just take a peek at what makes us tick so you know so we can level up anybody else besides me need to try to level up a little bit in their journey <laughs> or is it just me everybody else has got the victory brother jeremy cox you got the victory how about you red storm that's what the old timers would say in the Pentecostal church. You got the victory, brother. You need to have the victory. Praise the Lord. But I'm trying to dig myself. Like, what are some of the mental and emotional responses that I'm having? What's pushing my buttons? What's triggering me when I get the death to truth or algorithm thrown in my face? You know, what kind of boundaries can I put up to preserve my dignity and try to build bridges of understanding? And what are the things that are causing me to go into a tailspin? So are you are you spiraling down or are you spiraling up?
Are you on a personal development track and, and, and determined? Like the psalmist said, I will not turn to the left or to the right. I will not be denied. I want my portion. Okay, God is unrealistically optimistic. He always gives us a victory. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. But, you know, persecution is no joke. That's all I'm going to say there. So what we're going to try to do is give you some practical tools that you can use if you are estranged from family and friends that will hopefully increase your chances of staying in their lives because for many of us the road of discovery that we're on tends to lead us into some very shark infested waters then you go out to some open ocean and eventually you get marooned <laughs> you get marooned on a desert island is that right tammy price i'm gonna take a poll I'm going to take a poll right now. <laughs> you just wait. Okay, engage your audience. Start a poll. Okay, my poll is this. Since I became a truther, I feel a lot more isolated and alone. True or false, okay? Since I became a truther, I feel a lot more isolated and alone. Start a poll. All right, so if the answer is yes, put yes. Yes, since I've been a truther, I feel a lot more isolated and alone. No, I'm doing fine. And just so if it's true, if your answer is no, we need to find out what vitamins you guys are taking, uh, you know, because maybe we could get on that bandwagon. All right, I'm just trying to I'm trying to help you. So then of course if you're on the island, the deserted island where you're completely alone at the age of 61 living in an apartment. <laughs> you know, you like start grasping for straws and you like it what was that movie with what's his name? Pedophile guy. He he had a volleyball. Oh, he called it Wilson. That was it. So, you know, you start like trying to figure out how to how to survive this um, treatment. So what I think is at the core of this estrangement from loved ones is essentially that they lose respect for us. Thank you, Tom Hanks, Krista. Right, Tommy Hanks, let's not go there. Because we get categorized as crazy, do we not? It's not, it's not true, uh, but that's how we get labeled. So, um, but it's messed up because it's, they're not pitying us. It's not like they're pitying you. Like, you know, oh, dad went crazy. Dad's feeble-minded. Let's care for him. No, they basically act like, I don't know, panicked bullies. That's what I call them. They're panicked bullies by calling you crazy, right? If your elderly parent slips into dementia, you don't treat them the way that truthers get treated. Let's be honest. You, your heart is broken for them. You're like, you know, 
trying to help them. We don't get that. I mean, it's not just me, because I talk to you people, and I know what I'm saying is true. And, you know, on that note, if you're listening to me and you just think I'm bitter and exaggerating, then you either aren't a truther or you haven't been one for long or you don't have a lot of rabbit holes under your belt yet or you haven't opened your mouth to friends and family about what you've discovered. Because this is universally the same. Now, there's degrees of heartache, but it's universally the same. After seven years, I can say that with absolute certainty. Right? If you're a truther, you know what I'm saying is true. Cassandra? Is that right? Or what, what am, am I just me? I know it's not just me. So, at least partially, okay, what is at the core of the relationship breakdown for the truther, okay, with those people in your life, is a loss of trust. That's what's happening in the mind of the unconvinced. Now, in your mind, you're experiencing hurt. You're experiencing rejection, woundedness, uh, which can cause you to pull back and begin to hate the longing for the spouse or the child. Right? We have a longing, but the longing comes at such a high cost, you start killing off the longing. See if you can get in touch with that. I, I can't long for them, and it's too painful. You start killing off the long. You have a longing abortion, okay? We say it's too hard to try to be in their life. It's useless. It's not worth it, and we decide to stop trying. That is a lie. All of those are lies. And I'm going to give you some concrete methodology, some questions, some ideas at the end that you can use to go back to them and, and try to get them to come to you and to build some understanding. Because we decide it's never going to work. We decide to live with the pain of the loss rather than the pain of trying to be close and just getting rejected and disrespected over and over again. So Creation Keeper says, I think it really isn't even about us when rejected. It's the normies' own insecurities, and truthers are the ones threatening that. I understand what you're saying, but we still have to decide how we're going to respond. We still have a, a choice to make. So th this helped me a lot. Let me, let me show you this. this. I looked up the definition of trust. And what trust is, is a firm belief in the integrity, ability, or the character of a person. Think about this. What is the, what is the term conspiracy theorist supposed to do? It's a character assassination term. It turns you into a kook. It turns you into someone that isn't trusted. So, if the spouse, let's say, is invoking the term conspiracy theorist in the presence of the children, even if it's lighthearted, oh, I don't go in for conspiracy theories much, but dad does. What does that say to the child? The child then begins to lose trust in the parent because their character has been undermined, diminished, and they stop trusting. 
How can a child have a firm belief in the integrity, the ability, or the character of her father if the child thinks he's a weak-minded boob who's been tricked by Photoshop tricks, or worse, he's got mental illness now? Think about, the, think about it like this. Think about the little five-year-old child who comes to daddy and says, Daddy, daddy, why is the sky blue? I mean, the five-year-old to... The dad to the five-year-old is a hero. He can do no wrong. Everything he says is true and right. That's the five-year-old's mindset. So imagine the five-year-old says, Dad, why is the sky blue? And the daddy's, you know, he's not going to talk about gases and all. He's going to say, well, God made it that way, honey. And the five-year-old says, oh, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous, Dad. It's just another one of those things you're looking into. That's a conspiracy theory. Huh? What does that mean? Well, at the core of that would be the child is saying, I don't trust you anymore. Because trust is agreeing with someone that you don't necessarily ag agree with, but you know that they're reputable. So even though you don't agree, you know, first of all, they wouldn't lie to you. And then that you also respect them, you, you know they know a lot, and they're competent. And so what, what, what the normal <laughs> response should be, the takeaway should be on the part of the unconvinced is, all right, let me ponder what you're saying. All right, let me look at my poll. So out of the poll, uh, since I became a truther, I feel a lot more isolated. 82% said yes. That's uh, 35 votes. That doesn't surprise me. All right, I'm going to do another poll. Okay, this poll is start a poll. Okay, this poll is this question. Uh, do you feel that the normies in your life ponder and consider what you have to say. Okay, in other words, when you try to share what you've discovered, do they trust you and respect you and say, oh, well, that's not what I believe, but let me think about it. Let me think about what you're saying. Let me do a little research. That's interesting. What brought you to that uh, decision? Okay, if that's your experience, your answer is yes. Yes, I do believe the normies in my life consider what I'm saying about these conspiracy theories. If your answer is no, they don't listen to me, <laughs> then your answer is no. Okay, so respectfully for those who want to offer the sagely advice that it's probably our fault because we're overbearing and obsessed let me share with you another story to prove that that's not necessarily the case so when i left my beautiful home and my beautiful family i went and stayed with my brother for a year he had an extra bedroom, so I just stayed there for rent-free for a year. All right, so 
during that time, I never said boo to him about anything negative or controversial, no conspiracies. Four or five times in the year, he brought up something that was negative or controversial. The subject. When it was time for me to leave, he said to me, this is unsolicited, he said, you know, it was hard to have you here. I said, why is that? He said, because of what you believe. I said, but I never said anything to you. I said, in fact, four or five times you brought something up and I changed the subject. Do you know what he said? I know. But it was still hard to have you here, even though you didn't say anything. Bam. That's right. You got a metaphorical, you got a metaphysical target on your head, dear soul. It's called crazy, offensive. It's like Leviticus, where the people had to cry out if you had leprosy, unclean, unclean. You had to cover your face, and, you know, and slink around. That's you, you kook. So if you're the kook person in the family, how do you formulate an approach to your children or spouse because they've erected a 10-foot wall between both of you. This wall that says, don't challenge any of my views. My views are sacrosanct. I don't want you opposing my views in any way or teaching me anything. Don't introduce any subjects into our conversation that are negative or controversial or that are not sanctioned by officialdom or else. Right? There's a difference between the tinfoil hat and the scarlet letter. The tinfoil hat is there to shame you, and that's designed to quell your, your ambition. Right? It, it gets you to quit. But the, red, the scarlet letter was used by the Puritans. If, if a woman was caught in adultery, they would bring her up on a platform and publicly flog her. <laughs> wow! And then they would put this scarlet letter on her, which meant if you're caught doing that again, we will publicly flog you again. So uh, this is this is what you um, are up against. This wall that they erect has a threat behind it is what I'm saying. And they don't, the, the other problem is, they, they tell you, I don't want you to talk about crazy things, right? But they don't tell you what crazy is. And so to illustrate what an, a relationship ending mandate this is, I created a list of what I believe my normie loved ones would consider crazy if they knew what I believed about it. And uh, so I wrote this, in, it's in my book, it's starts on page 194. This is the list of all the things that I can't talk about and probably you can't talk about either. Ready? The sun, the moon, the clouds, the sunset, the ocean tides, the outer space, NASA, the shape of the earth, the earth's rotation, planets, planetary movement, stars, galaxies, gravity, comets, meteor showers, the universe. 
Space travel, the space station, space programs, moon landings, satellites, telescopes, earthquakes, tidal waves, Trump, Biden, the U.S. presidency, elections, taxes, the IRS, intelligence agencies, anything having to do with the U.S. government. Democrats, Republicans, senators, congressmen, international geopolitical events, war, anything to having to do with the economy. Media censorship, the Defense Department's labeling of conservatives as terrorists, capital controls on finances, bank closings, the confiscation of finances, currency collapse, new currency, cryptocurrency, investing or saving, financial forecasting or predictions, the fractional reserve banking system, anything having to do with the following restrictions, mandates or requirements, COVID, events being canceled because of COVID, masks, travel restrictions, checkpoints, arrests or fines for noncompliance, forced stay-at-home orders, curfews, tracing, tracking or movements, businesses closing, Vaccinations, food storages, food rationing, social chaos, riots, looting, martial law, medical martial law, forced biometric scanning to drive your car, COVID, internment camps. Don't talk to me about pyramids, Greek mythology, aliens, superheroes or superhero movies, 9-11, the Twin Towers, January 6th, Mandela Effect, Bible prophecy, eschatology. Don't talk to me about chemtrails, reptilian shapeshifters, clones or simulants, MKUltra mind control, coin shortages, extreme weather, mass animal die-offs, government mandating... You kill your animals because of carbon footprint, social credit score, carbon tax, taxing you by the mile for travel, food shortages, food rationing, or, of course, 666, the mark of the beast. <laughs> and that's just a partial list. So what does that tell you? If, if you can't talk about any of those things because they're, quote, crazy, what does the normies mandate to you mean? It means... Our relationship is over. Right? It's not a 10-foot wall. It's a complete force field. Right? Wow, Anita. But see, it's so awful because you feel incredible love for them and you also want to be loved. But... They have clearly like begun to distance themselves from you in a million different ways. And they've left us in the dust. And one of my kids told me once, he said, I hope it was worth it. Meaning you chose your beliefs over us and now you have lost us. I hope it was worth it. And I'm thinking, no, I didn't. I'm right here. You know, you've got my phone number. You're the one that's not calling. You're the one issuing relationship-ending ultimatums. I'm right here. Writing letters, begging you to be in your life, and then being told I'm incapable of having a relationship because of what I believe. And then I say, but I'm observing your boundary, and I don't ever talk to you about what I believe. But you say there's a tension between us. right? But we, I already illustrated how that's there, no matter what you do, dear soul, I'm sorry. You, you are branded. Like with my brother. He said, just knowing what you believe made it hard. So I say this when, I, when I'm talking about this. I say, they don't like you anymore. Jesus said it. Jesus said, Matthew 10, the members of your own household will be your enemies. The truth divides people. And so we're not a bunch of self-absorbed, bitter people in our own echo chamber having a pity party. No, we are God's people. We're walking with the King of glory. We are uncompromising. 
and we refuse to continue to drink the cup of devils because humanity is being snuffed out and we know it. And so because we have an instinct for survival, we have decided to wean ourselves from the love of the world. We've withdrawn our consent from participating in the world and the normies in our life don't like it and they're throwing a tantrum. It's really what it is. So when I get this advice, you know, you can't ram people, things down people's throats and you have to let people come in their own time when they're ready and all that. I, I get that. I understand the principle of having wisdom and tact and, and diplomacy, but you know, what I started to notice, and maybe you guys can relate to this, is as I'm doing these different podcasts, that advice was usually only coming from people that were more normie than truther. They were only down a few rabbit holes. And what I found with doing all these podcasts with other content creators, uh, I've done 34 interviews now. And I have 17 I scheduled this month already for January and February. Is the more someone is awake and convinced about what they're finding, the less go along to get along uh, advice they have for anyone. What do you guys think of that? I don't want to say, can I get an amen, but uh, you could say something. The more rabbit holes you're down, the less you're like, yeah, you got to try to get along. No. You get past about 10 rabbit holes, it starts to get pretty difficult to, uh, you know, play the game anymore. <clears throat> the advice to keep quiet around them isn't going to work. I mean, it does. I get it, you know, for the most part, but it really depends on a lot of factors, too. It's not a one-size-fits-all piece of advice. So I am speaking in generalities. I, you know, I give you that. But the dynamic is pretty universal, right? The cat's out of the bag on who you are. The elephant in the room, you can't say anything. Like, you're a marked person. When you go to family gatherings, oh, here comes, here comes Red Storm, you know. Here comes the salmon watchman. Here comes Jeremy Cox. Oh, you know, everybody's like elbowing themselves in the corner. Oh, there they are. You don't have to say anything. Your reputation precedes you. And they're going to distance themselves from you. Their cackles are up. They're like, Meow. let's see. Like the Pharisees said, they said this to see if they could trick him. That was what the Pharisees did. They were trying to catch Jesus and, you know, snare him with his own words. So in many cases and in many ways, <clears throat> this censorship guideline that you are given comes with a threat. And now it may be subtle or straight up ultimatum. Like in contract law, we say a contract has teeth. If the contract has teeth, it means if you violate the contract, you will be sued. So the ultimatum with a threat is like the scarlet letter. If you 
if you violate my censorship guideline, you will feel pain. It is a shut up or else. And we're going to, I got some ideas on how we can try to, what's the term I'm looking for? Lord Jesus. Neutralize. How we can neutralize their attack vectors with questions. So you got to stay with me to the end, all right? Because pretty much every truther that I'm in touch with finds themselves in this very strange place very quickly after discovering the things that we're discovering. And I think it's at the core of why a lot of people that I'm talking to in the last couple of weeks, see, that's, that's kind of where these talks come from, is I'm interacting with folks throughout the week, and I'm hearing the burdens of people. And a lot of people are telling me, John, I'm pulling the covers over my head. Um, that people are telling me, you know, I just, I have no motivation. I can't cope. I mean, they're not suicidal, but, you know, we're all feeling this supernatural, like, oppression that is just you can't function people have sort of given up but this is when we shine we're an epistle read by all men jesus is king jesus is king of the glory world and there's power in the blood of jesus there's power in the name of jesus <laughs> I remember one time I went to lead worship and I had like the flu, but I was determined to be faithful. And I went to this church where I was leading worship. This is even after I lost my finger. And I was just so weak and I had nothing to give. And there's this girl that went to the church and she had invited this other girl who was obviously not saved, but she was anxious for her soul. And she had come there the week before. And I remember she was there again and she was looking really scared. And I just went up to her and said, hey, it's so good to see you, you know, just to encourage her. Hey, is it okay if I just pray with you real quick? And as I prayed for her, the power of God came on me and all of my symptoms left. Flu symptoms just don't leave, okay? This was like a supernatural bam. And I was like, wow, oh, I had like clear mind, energy. I went and had the greatest incredible time of worship. Okay, so... A lot of the cloud is just, poof. God can just go, poof. I'm going to pray right now. Father, I pray for mass deliverance of depression, oppression. All of that has to go in Jesus' name off of your people. I plead the blood of Jesus over all of our minds and hearts to find relief in God. We draw joy from the wells of salvation right now in the name of Jesus. The power is in the blood of Jesus. I claim that over everybody under the sound of my voice right now to be free in Jesus' name. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know why I say amen after every... It's like putting a period on a prayer or some dumb thing. So, this, 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 you know hail it's coming over people it's what what i call truth or prison is what's part of the conversation i'm having the people that are telling me this are being fed by this rejection the persecution from their 
close people close to them because of what they believe. And at the core of it is a sense of powerlessness that we feel regarding these people in our lives. These people are important to us. And it's a terrible, like a pathos of not being wanted. And it just sucks all the life out of you. And it makes what makes it worse is we're not wanted for loving the truth. You love the truth and you should be a hero to them. Oh, my mom, my dad, they're awesome, man. They're fighting for freedom. They're awesome. No, <laughs> you don't get that. <laughs> You're a buzzkill. Busby. Busby's in the house. Busby is a buzzkill. <laughs> if he's opening his mouth or her mouth. They have unfriended you. Okay, so there's five components that I've identified to truth or prison. Okay, the first is don't talk about these things. The second one is I no longer respect you. The third is I no longer desire you. The fourth is if you violate number one or try to fix two and three, you will be cut off. And number five, here are your specific rules that you must obey to have rapport with me. <laughs> yep that's your journey do not talk about your things that you are passionate about and because you have chosen to believe them i no longer respect you or trust you and i don't desire you i mean they stop coming around don't they and if you try to reach out if you violate number one, that's like anathema. But if you try to even fix two or three, where you try to talk about issues of the heart, you get cut off a lot of times. I don't want to talk about it. Don't talk about what's important to you, and I don't want to talk about it. Because even talking about the schisms between you is invoking that fear in them because it's all based on this cockamamie stuff that you believe. So you're really cut off at the knees. Now, some or all of those components might be there. You might not have all of those, but that's what makes up truth or prison. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got fruit flies. and I'm just under attack by fruit flies. I've got all this red wine, little shot glasses of plastic shot glasses of red wine vinegar all over my apartment, trying to kill off the fruit flies. All my drains are closed up and it's, everything's spotless but they just are won't go away anyway okay the first the first thing you got to come to terms with is that what you have found out truther has changed you dramatically and it's changed you overnight people don't typically change dramatically overnight people don't typically change dramatically period but certainly not overnight, which is what happened to you. But it didn't change the people in your life. They're the, still the same people. So really, that's a big problem. That's a f one of the things that if you understand that, it'll help you in, in trying to build bridges of understanding with them. You changed, but they didn't change. And your change is volcanic. It is major.
Okay, it's like finding out you have a long lost uncle that left you a million dollars and you say, oh, isn't that nice? No, you wouldn't say that. Or on the negative side, if you if doctor told you, you have six weeks to live. These are life changing pieces of information. Would you agree with that? Absolute game changers. Massive paradigm shifts happen to us overnight. All of our ideals change. All of our priorities change overnight. Okay, and understand what a paradigm shift is. I'll give you an example of a paradigm shift. Okay, so there's a guy and he's on the subway in New York and he's sitting there and the subway comes in and stops and, and the lady with her three kids gets on the subway and she sits down and the kids are there but they don't sit down and the subway starts taking off and the kids are like walking around and they're being loud and one of them's got a ball and the ball he throws the ball and it hits the guy in the leg and there's yelling and stuff and she's just sitting there and he's like getting really agitated and, and offended right and and finally so that's his paradigm his paradigm is this woman is not disciplining her children she doesn't have concern about all of us other passengers shame on her right and so he leans over to her and he goes ma'am if you don't mind if you could try to you know rein your kids in i'd appreciate it and she looks at him and she says yeah i know i should probably do that but we just came from the hospital and their dad just died unexpectedly and so i'm a little distracted <laughs> And the guy just sits back in his seat and he takes a deep breath and he's like, whoa. Now he has a totally different view of her, doesn't he? So, you're sailing along, you know, you're doing life and all of a sudden you find out the earth isn't a spinning ball in an endless sea of billions of galaxies. It's a flat stationary plane with a dome over it and it's God's footstool and there's no giant intergalactic universe with billions of galaxies. This is it. Now you're the apple of God's eye and this realm that we're in is totally intimate. Game changer! Now why only a minority gives themselves permission to allow these paradigm shifts to happen is a mystery. To all of us but it is quite common for one person in a relationship to have this paradigm shift while the other one doesn't have it happen and then where purposes in the relationship were aligned before there is now a new alignment for one of the parties and the other one is typically also brainwashed to identify this new paradigm like a heat-seeking missile. Uh-oh, uh-oh. We have one that sees. Remember, they live, the ladies on her watch. We have one that sees. We have one that sees. She's reporting in. So they not only are resistant, they begin to attack. There's a chapter in my book, Why Normies Attack. And actually, I just finally watched the movie, The Mandela Effect. I don't know if you guys ever watched it. I've... I came across it, I think I watched part of it before, I didn't like it, but I thought, 
Well, I'm like so into the Mandela Effect, I should probably watch the movie called The Mandela Effect. So I watched the whole thing. And it was kind of dumb, but, you know, it was interesting. Um, you know, it's a husband and wife, and they lose their daughter. And then the husband is the one that gets onto it. He starts seeing the changes. And, he, you know, like any of us, we get fascinated by it. You know, the wife starts realizing he's in, obsessed with something. So he finally... She brings it up at the table. And it was really well done. The acting was well done. It was the, it was the classic response where she ends up saying, as, as he's starting to try to disclose this, and it's always like, you know, we know what's coming as a truther. <laughs> we know we're about to get hammered. So we're kind of hedging our bet. We're like sheepishly, fawningly, uh, well, I know this is hard to believe, but, uh, you know, but then there's this other part behind it where we're totally convinced it's true. And so we're sort of angry that about, about what's going to happen. You know what I mean? It's like this, we're so ambivalent. There's all these conflicted emotions. Anyway, he's trying to tell the story and then she's like, uh, she, her reaction was to try to shut him down, basically. And what she says is, there's still so many things I want for us. That was her statement. There's still, she's like, don't give yourself to that, all of that stuff. There's still so many things I want for our life, for you to go down this rabbit hole and steal all of that from us. Back in that box you were in. <laughs> right? Isn't that what they do, Cassandra? They want to put you back in the box. So I think the decision to turn a blind eye because they don't want to see these esoteric dark things is exactly what Jesus said when he said, do not love the world. I actually have the scripture here on the slide. Let me pull it up. Share screen. One moment, please. Oh, come on now. There we go. Okay, here we come. Boink. Okay, this is at the core of the normies' response right here. Jesus said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust thereof, Sorry, I had to rewrite that in my talk, in my reading of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The wife in the movie loved the world. She said, there's still so much that I want for us. I want to deny the truth and live a lie because if I don't, it's going to disrupt my love for the world. 
Truth is invasive. Truth breaks through while you're doing other things. Truth doesn't care what you're doing. Sorry. You got to adapt. All right, now, the other thing that I've noticed with this observation is that the change to your paradigm keeps getting more intense the more focused you are on each new rabbit hole in your portfolio. Okay, so Tanya, Sue, how many, how many rabbit holes do you have in your portfolio, Tanya? <laughs> right? Just think through it from I'm going to try and do it myself. All right. So the Federal Reserve is a federal. Let me come back on the screen. Federal Reserve is a federal. The moon landing is fake. ISS is fake. It was sort of the same, but not. 9-11. Underground bases. Chemtrails. Flat Earth. Mandela Effect. Fake history. I just need one more. Reptilian shapeshifters clones, transpocalypse, there's 12. I got 12. <laughs> I got 12. I probably have 20. <laughs> oh, I'm down 12 rabbit holes. God help me. <laughs> well, God's in the rabbit hole with you. Thank God. Yes, aliens are demons. Thank you. That's 13. Oh, I counted wrong. <laughs> I counted wrong. Overprotected says. Or is that you? It's like anything past 10, you're toast. Okay. And so there's a direct correlation between the number of rabbit holes you're down and how far apart you are from the loved ones. And of course, it depends on each individual. But I think I'm correct to say that for most people, there is a point where the more madness you become aware of, the more you're unwilling to shut up. You refuse to stop being an activist for them because it makes them uncomfortable. Like when we go out in public, I don't want you to talk about your crazy things. I'm sorry, the world's coming to an end. I can't, I can't accommodate your portrait control, image control. You just you start to see the people in your life as so far from reality that you start to let them go. I mean, they let you go, but now you're letting them go. You realize that you can only be in 100% pretend mode when you're around them. And you basically have to placate them. Sorry, I got to go back over here to the share the screen because I got another couple of scriptures. You have to you have to do this. Romans 12:1 gives us this advice. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to the lowly. This is a Bible change. This is a Mandela effect, I believe, uh, because I just looked at all the versions. What I remember pretty clearly is it said condescend to the lowly. But now it says, 
condescend to men of low estate. That's a Bible change, and lowly is not in any translation. So I thought I would just share that. But the topic, the, the point is that this is what you're reduced to in you know, your biblical response to the unconvinced is you have to condescend to them as somebody that's feeble-minded. They think you're feeble-minded, but they're the ones that are actually playing in the sandbox. I mean, they're just blip, blip, blip. They're like puppets on a string, chasing their tails. And you're just talking about nothing. Weeks turn into months, talk about nothing, and you're just watching this spectacle. <laughs> you can't... You can't jump in. I mean, you're there in the room, but it's just like, whew. Uh, I don't, I'm not, you know, one of the arguments against us is we think we're better than them because of the way I'm talking right now. But to me, it's arranging deck chairs on the Titanic. It's not me that's got the problem. Right? Because you're not down enough rabbit holes if you believe that. You're not going to stop being an activist because it makes people uncomfortable. And you just start to see the people in your life so far from reality, you start to let them go. And you realize you can't really be yourself. And then if you are really far down the rabbit hole, another common sentiment is that you feel like you're a compromiser around them because they are in such peril, but you can't warn them. They won't let you warn them. So you have this scripture here, which is 2 Timothy 2.25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. This is the perfect description of the norming. We're to, we're to instruct those that oppose themselves. Hey, that medical emergency thing, that's fake. And you don't want to do that. That's you trying to uh, uh, instruct the people that are opposing themselves. They don't have your best interest at heart. Press the pause button. Do some research. Well, I can't go to my sister's wedding unless I do this. I had somebody tell me that. <clears throat> so what happens to you, you poor thing, is you reach a point of no return. And once you cross that threshold, no matter how much you pretend to be a normie or try to walk on eggshells around them, it ain't going to work. And maybe it's just me. Maybe you're better than me. But I've found that the fewer rabbit holes you're down, the more you're going to be talking about how you shouldn't ram down things down people's throats. The more rabbit holes you're down, the more you're like, you know what? You people are nuts. And uh, you're going to get us all killed. The world's coming to an end. Get out of my way. It's like when you're 80 years old and somebody gives you a sweater for Christmas you don't like. I don't know. That's not a bad analogy. That's a bad analogy. Because what's happening with you? I mean, you're just getting more and more freaked out. Let's be honest. I mean, we're just like... We're just finding out things that just are so mind-blowing. And then you find out on one that's 10 times more mind-blowing. You thought the flat earth was a gut punch. Where do you find out the transpocalypse? That one took the wind out of my sails. But that's nothing compared to the false history. 
That's more than both of those other ones put together to me. It's completely challenging my doctrine. It's just our doctrine is being challenged with the Mandela effect. I mean, our heads are spinning. Our heads are spinning, God, and our family's planning the next vacation. You've discovered things that are so far-fetched, so logistically impossible that it leaves you breathless and feeling like, where am I? While your friends and family are focused on their lives, I mean, they do nice things. They go feed the poor, whatever. I'm not talking about that, all right? They're not evil in that sense. They're not totally self-absorbed. But we are looking away from our lives to outer, outer things that are the truth. But they're threats, and they change all the rules of your life, and they change the trajectory of your life, and you are forced to change course because you have integrity. Congratulations. Good job. I'm proud of you. God is proud of you. You did the right thing. You're not crazy. You did what God wanted you to do. Keep doing it. Don't be dissuaded. Keep following your destiny. You're doing the right thing. You're with the right crowd. How can I be right and all these other people be wrong? They're just deceived. They're mind control victims. God gave you grace to deliver you. Just thank him for it and keep going. But see, the course takes you away from your loved ones that aren't willing to have one good despair and get it over with like the rest of us. One person told me when they find out their Bible was changing, they were shaking. They were trembling for 30 days. Other people told me they found out their Bible was changing. They were in bed for two weeks. Your loved ones aren't going through that. They don't even want to know what you're going through either. So you aren't going where they're going, and they aren't going where you're going. Now, you could be in the same room. You could still be married. You could still have them as children, and they're, but it's just... I don't know. It's like... It's like all of a sudden your friend, you have a brand new lifelong friend and they speak Icelandic. That's the language they talk, Icelandic. It's supposedly the hardest language in the world to learn. And then you got to figure out how to be their friend. How much how I mean, I can't even duplicate Icelandic. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy. It's, it's like, you know, having a long distance relationship. You know, you have a new girlfriend or boyfriend, and they live in Istanbul, okay, permanently. Good luck with that. So, you know, this is what it's like. You, you find out the earth is flat and stationary, and it's got a dome over it. And then, so, you know, you start listening to these important people on the TV. They've got credentials. They're astrophysicists, for the love of heaven, Right? What are you? You're just you. You're just you. You're little Chad. You're a little uh, overprotected. You're a little Red Storm or Carl. What do you know? These people are astrophysicists and stuff. And they're telling you the Earth isn't flat. It's round. It's spinning. They're shaming you. They're, they're pushing you out. You're like, is it possible that I'm deceived? But you notice... You notice that their arguments are just 
either not convincing or just they're lying. I mean, you can tell they're lying. And then you notice that it's very common for their answers to be laced with cynicism in their tone. They're very snarky in their condescending, which seems to betray a weakness in their argument. But then you listen to the truther people who are exposing the lie of the spinning ball, and their evidence seems to be blatantly and searingly obvious. And it's so obvious that you wonder how you could never have seen it before. And that you're having all these revelations and it's just changing you, changing you, changing you, changing. You're changing, you're changing. Your paradigms are changing, your values are changing, your, your priorities are changing, and it's accelerating. And something has happened to you that is very hard to explain to anybody, much less somebody that doesn't want you to explain it to them, unless they've experienced it themselves. It's a reaction that you've had. It's the decision that you've had to refuse to love the world anymore. You didn't realize you loved the world until you became a truther. I didn't. You want to love the world, but you've realized you can't love the world and be a truther. And so this decision, this realization has caused you to withdraw your consent. I do not consent any longer to participate in this charade. I quit. I resign. I got off the bus. I refuse to cooperate. I'm sorry it makes you upset. I went to take my kids to this place for uh, it was like a go-karts and stuff and it was during the first lockdown and I forgot to ask if we required masks and we get there oh you got a mask up no we had to leave and I was like a hatchet murder they all were crying and they all wanted to go home and they were all mad at me so your decisions to be a truther aren't going to be applauded okay it's like in acting you're an actor and you imagine if you broke character you're in a play right you're Cyrano de Bergerac in this big production on Broadway and you're in the middle of the scene and you just decide to break character and you start talking to the audience you say you know what I'm just by the way I'm just acting here I'm not really Cyrano de Bergerac I, I think you guys know that right imagine how shocking that would be and the crowd would start booing you for abandoning your post and ruining their fun. That's what happens to you. You refuse to start, you, you, you refuse to clap for NASA anymore. And all the stuff you see on TV, they're making people swoon and have all these intellectual conversations about the geopolitical events. And this is Trump is this and Biden. They don't even realize Biden is not even the Biden that it's like an actor with a face mask. And who knows if it's even the right Trump you know, if any of these people are even alive, they could be all clones, CGI, you know, and you're trying to formulate some geopolitical opinion when there's five, six, seven layers of truth behind what you're being shown. So you're breaking character like the actor breaks character and they're, and they're booing at you. <laughs> yeah, they're booing at you, uh, Carl. I mean, Shakespeare said, he said, all the, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. That's act two, scene seven.
once you've gone down about 10 rabbit holes, you are breaking ranks with the facade. Uh, we've lost all suspension of disbelief when watching movies. I mean, I can't, I mean, I watch movies and they're just boring because everything seems so fake. All the stuff in there is fake. I used to love anything having to do with space. I loved space movies the most because I would get into it. I would get suspension of disbelief. I'd be totally engrossed in it. Well, now I watch it and I'm like, there's no space. There's no intergalactic space and all that stuff. Because you're seeing all the predictive programming in there and it just ticks you off. And I, I heard a, a director, it was a really famous director, I can't remember who it was, if I mentioned his name. I don't remember who it was, but he said, he said, in every movie he does, he gets this call from this mysterious guy who offers him $20,000 to allow him to stage one scene in the movie and the one thing he wants to appear in the scene is a globe of the earth. I kid you not. <laughs> Every time you see a globe of the earth in a movie, it was put there on purpose to brainwash you. That movie Night at the Museum with what's his name? They got a giant globe right in the middle of the museum. And then Universal Studios, every single movie starts with a globe. Globes are put there on purpose to brainwash you. So we've flown the scenery up out of sight, and now we can see the brick wall at the back of the stage. And we have clapped for NASA for the last time, and those around us are booing us because we're spoiling their fun. Ben Stiller, thank you, Creation Keeper. Yep. Big old planet Earth in the middle of the museum. I mean, it's, think about it. It's pretty weird, isn't it? So these things seem to pick up momentum. You know, it's because we get accused of being obsessed. It's because we're picking up momentum. And we're going from one mind-bending, impossible conspiracy to the next. And each time we do, we have a greater urgency to learn more and drift farther and farther apart from our friends and family. And all I'm saying in this talk is at a certain point, you start looking at these people and they're like on vacation from reality. And you're like, you people are nuts. You're going to get us all killed. You got to wake up. It's not like we're picking fights with people, but I mean, the urgency thing is a trump card. So I hope, I hope that relieves some of your guilt. It's not your fault. It's not some character flaw that you have that you fell into some dysfunctional obsession. No. The normal human response when you find out that all of history is completely false and you're being lied to and enslaved and slow killed is to get upset. <laughs> it's normal to be completely freaked out and to stop participating and to do something about the perpetrator. It's normal to feel some obligation to do something. Okay, congratulations. God has me here to encourage you that you're right and they're wrong. I'm going to say it five times in a row. You're right. The moon landing is fake. 9-11 was fake. You're right and they're wrong. ISS is fake. You're right and they're wrong. Earth is flat. You're right. They're wrong. Mandela effect is real. You're right and they're wrong.
Don't ever forget that. Because they got the whole power structure behind them like big bullies. And you're just like, ah. No. You stand your ground, okay? Because after 10 rabbit holes, frankly, you're pretty ticked off at the apathy and, and the fact that they've abdicated their responsibility to their own freedom. They don't deserve to remain free if you're not going to, you're in a fist fight, you should either at least duck, at least acknowledge what's happening to you and then start blocking the punches or run, okay? You don't want to fight, fine. But at least don't stand there and just be like, oh, what a beautiful day. You're just getting pummeled. Ten rabbit holes, you're useless to the norming. You're a freak. You're an absolute three-headed monster to these people. And there's no walking it back. There's no real coexisting for the most part. There's a select few, okay? I'll give you the select few. You, you somehow managed to eke out an existence with your unsaved, or not unsaved, your, your, your unconvinced loved ones. You, you, you seem to be happy with each other. And I'm talking about people that are with main, like hardline normies, and you're going, you're staying on the path together. But to, you know, in order to do that, you got to slink around what I call slinking around, begging for crumbs of, of respect, because they, they, I mean, they are trashing you, if not to your face, they're doing it behind your back. You're like, please don't call me names. Please don't get mad at me and blame me for getting mad at you. Please don't tell me I'm, please don't tell me not to talk about school shootings and then start talking about school shootings with me. I'll be good, I promise. I'll only talk about fun things and light things and I won't share with you the things that are important to me, I promise. Things that are the most relevant to me of who I am I won't share any of the things that I value. I'll keep me a secret from you so you don't get upset. I'll kill off who I am when I'm around you because I know you have threatened me if I allow any of me to slip out. I have to keep me under lock and key, but that's okay. I'm willing to do that. Of course, I resent being disrespected and demeaned and controlled like this. It's certainly nothing I would ever do to you, but that is the only path that you're offering me, and I guess it's better than never talking to you again, so I guess I'll try to comply with your shut up or else order because I value you so much that I'm willing to live a lie just to be in your life as a 2% participant. You now have access to about 2% of my soul, and the rest is locked up under a key that only I have and you have. If you want me to give you the key, I will. But it's clamoring to get out because the clash of ideas is the sound of freedom. Humanity is in a life and death struggle for survival, but you are a 33rd degree normie and that's that. I don't really know how I'm perceived by people talking like this. 
I think I think that there will be many that will think that I am unhinged or uh, bitter or whatever, but I don't think many of you, I think there's some that might think that. But what I've typically found is when I just bloviate like this and talk about what's in my head, it's like, yeah, John, you're totally putting into words what I'm feeling. So whatever, whatever good that does. All right. Let me show you what I got for you. I'm going to share my screen uh, like it is. Okay, we're going to go here. And I'm going to push this over here. Okay, so if you go to wake up or else, which looks like this, you go to the resources tab, right there. And I created this little section here called scripts for truthers. Okay, and this first one is called questions to help you reconcile with estranged normies in your life. <laughs> Woo, baby! Questions to help you reconcile with estranged normies in your life. Okay, it's right there. You got to go get it. All right, so here's here's some thoughts that I have for us, and then I'll I'll just. We'll just hang out a little bit. All right, let me look at some statements here. Uh, Creation Keeper, John, what is what is we is pain and is completely reasonable and normal. So you're a normie that way. I don't understand that statement. Maybe you could retype it because I think you had some typos. 33 degree normie. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm trying to figure out how I can draw my normie loved ones out into the open because they have fortified themselves behind these walls. So I have to basically get them to come out and want relationship. So the first thing you have to try to do is you try to you have to try to appeal to their humanity it's not you know you have a need for a father in your life i have a need for a daughter we have a need we need each other we're blood so you get them to connect to that truth so they become willing to work at the relationship that's essentially the first step because if you just start giving questions and trying to you know they'll they'll just back off and be like because uh, they have that that sense of having given up it's too hard to talk to you well, if you've ever receded into fear where you keep people out so they don't hurt you, that works. But then what's worse than that is being alone. <laughs> so it's, it's worse to just run away and be alone. All right, so the normie wants unilateral surrender and is not willing to negotiate. So somehow I've got to figure out how to draw them out into the open. All right, so here's... Here's my opening salvo. <clears throat> you guys tell me what you think. I'm heartbroken that we're not spending more time together and that we don't long to be together. And, and I think there's two main things that are separating us. And one is the mistakes that I've made, the sins that I've committed, how I've hurt you, 
And the other thing that's keeping us apart is the things that I have discovered. And both of them are going to really require you to want to have a relationship and be willing to lead the charge here because I can only offer you my desire to be closer to you. Now, I'm going to give you uninterrupted time to talk and I won't say anything except I'm going to listen and I'm just going to apologize. So you can feel free to really share your heart and your hurts. Okay, because it's very polarized. So I think a great uh, technique is to offer your loved one the ability to talk and you won't say anything. There's not going to be any back and forth. It's going to be no crosstalk. Okay, so you offer them to go first. First, you self-deprecate. You say, look, I want to take responsibility for how I've failed you in, in my journey and discovering whatever it is I've discovered. I've, I, want to, I want you to tell me how I hurt you. Okay, seven habits of highly effective people. First, seek to understand, then be understood. So you're going to give them the floor and you're not going to say boo. You're going to let them tell you all whatever is on their heart and you just sit there and take it. And when you get done, you're going to use empathy statements. That's the script right underneath the other one. Empathy statements. Empathy means I'm present with you. I'm listening. I understand why you would feel that way. What I did was wrong. This is how you apologize, by the way. Did you ever have somebody say, well, I'm sorry you got mad. That's worse than not apologizing. To apologize, you have to say, when I did that, that was wrong. You name the thing. When I poked you in the eye, that was wrong. And I'm really sorry about that. And I want to apologize. Would you forgive me? So you name the thing. You tell them that it made you were wrong. And that made you feel bad that you did that wrong. And would you forgive me? Now, what happens next is on them. But that's a real apology. And, and then if they forgive you, then boom, the unforgiveness collapses and you have reconciliation. I can only offer you my desire to be closer to you. I will give you uninterrupted time to talk, right? Then if you can find it in your heart to forgive, we can be closer. Now, the second thing is you're going to need to realize that if we're going to have a relationship, it requires mutual respect. So you're going to have to start to accept me as I am regarding the things I have discovered. I'm not saying you have to believe what I believe. I'm not saying I need to try to convince you what I believe for you to be in my life. I will observe your boundary. I have no need to be your guide and your mentor and your guru and to protect you. Okay, you're going to have to find out the things that I've discovered on your own in your own time. However, if you bring up something in our conversation, and I have a different view about it, then you are going to hear what I've got to say. And you need to be okay with that. I won't bring it up. But if you do, then I should be able to tell you what I think. Can you accept that? That's mutual respect.
if you can just get that far you have created a bridge with your loved one here's a great question would you agree that the things that I've discovered have caused division between us <laughs> they're gonna say yeah so then you ask them do you believe that the, the the this is hard to say do you believe that the division between us is 100% my fault I bet you they will say no I think that's not all your fault okay well what role do you think you played in in the conflict between us now, if you can get them not to freak out and go in another direction well I did I did what I did because of, no it's it's your turn now as the truther for them to, to listen to you so these are your questions they want to jump off and just let them go <clears throat> if what you believed wasn't true would you want to know it would you agree that relationships require mutual respect what you may not be aware of is that what I've discovered has divided millions of families just like it has ours in fact Jesus told us this this would happen in Matthew 10 do not think that I came to bring peace but a sword that's what's happening to us you can ask your loved ones you should be able to say hey dad mom sis whoever what happened to you you should be able to ask me what happened to you what did you see that made you believe these things closing the door to accepting me as I am closes the door to our relationship you can ask them this question did you ever ask yourself why don't I want my beliefs challenged why don't you why why do you think it is that you don't want your beliefs challenged well you talk about it all the time and oh it's just negative whatever okay but that's not what I asked you why we know why we know why because they want their happy life they don't want their their joyride disrupted think about think about a child or a person that was unfortunate enough to be born during the second world war and you're in France or you know you're in occupied France and you're 14. your life has been interrupted your your happy life got interrupted big time well that's kind of what we're trying to say to our loved ones they're gonna find out this year you can ask them you have to ask yourselves if you think I'm crazy is this the right way to treat a family member a father or a mother or somebody if they went crazy just to push them out of your life like this now one last question 
I looked, I have to find it. There's international polls like Gallup polls or, you know, mainline polls where they, they did surveys on how many people in an entire country where they sampled like 100,000 people from all these different parts of the country, I think. Do you believe that 9-11 was an inside job? Nigeria, um, Denmark. I remember there was like, it was at least seven or eight countries where it was 80% didn't believe the official story. And then they had other ones. Moon landing. It was like a, a, it was like a survey on conspiracy theorists who how many people so we're talking about probably a billion people believe like you do now this is a question i've never gotten a straight answer from a normie on and that's the last question on this script have you ever asked yourself if you believe i went crazy then how do you explain there's an, a billion other people that believe what i do if you're in Nigeria or Denmark, then you would be the one that's crazy. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week, Lord willing. And if you'd like to learn more about how to face the inevitable pushback that comes when you start to question the official story, be sure to pick up a copy of the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. It's a guidebook for persecuted truthers. It's on Amazon, or you can get it through my website, which is wakeuporelse.com. It's on audio or paperback. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter so we can be notifying you when we're doing an interactive live stream. There's a lot more content on the truther journey as well as the supernatural Bible changes on my YouTube channel, which is Wake Up or Else, all one word. And remember, if anybody calls you a kook or a conspiracy theorist nut, you hold up your finger and you tell them, hey, I may be mistaken, but I am not crazy.